Neurological and cognitive disorders, as well as mental illness, have long been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and feared. Throughout the years, the American Psychiatric Association has discovered, and sometimes removed, clinical diagnoses that end up in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Each week, my co-host and I will bring you a new disorder and provide you with all the information you need to better understand how the human brain works. This is Psyche Saturday. Do you know someone who always needs to be the center of attention or craves drama? These are telltale signs of the possibility of another cluster B personality disorder known as histrionic personality disorder. We discussed on the premiere episode of Psyche Saturday that there are three clusters of personality disorders as mapped out in the DSM-5. Histrionic personality disorder falls into cluster B, which is where we also find antisocial personality disorder. Cluster B disorders are defined as the dramatic or erratic personality disorders. And we will absolutely see that in HPD. HPD has a long history of being an extremely ambiguous and very misunderstood disorder. In fact, the term histrionic comes from the Greek word for uterus, hystera. It was believed that a woman who suffered from HPD was, quote, hysterical and therefore needed to be controlled. The term hysterical was formerly in the DSM, but was replaced with histrionic in the DSM-3. So according to the current DSM, which is DSM-5, HPD is diagnosed by a pervasive pattern of excessive emotionality and attention-seeking. This begins in early adulthood and is indicated by at least five of the following. One, uncomfortable in situations where he or she is not the center of attention. Two, Interaction with others is often inappropriately sexual, seductive, or provocative. Three, displays rapidly shifting and shallow expression of emotion. Four, consistently using physical appearance to draw attention. Five, has a speech style that is excessively impressionistic and lacking in detail. Six, shows self-dramatization, theatricality, and exaggerated expression of emotion. Seven, is easily influenced by others. And eight, considers relationships to be more intimate than they truly are. So again, somebody who has HPD has to have at least five of these personality traits. There are eight of them. 
So obviously HPD is not a super easy thing to diagnose. It's not like, oh, you're an attention seeker, so we're going to throw HPD on you. Right. And that's why they put that criteria that you have to have five of them, because there are some people listening who are like, no, that just means that that person is an attention seeker. Well, no, you need five of these. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with a lot of personality disorders, you'll you'll see tendencies in people, but that doesn't mean that they have a full-blown personality disorder. It's kind of the same thing when, you know, people misuse the term, oh, that's my OCD. Most people don't have obsessive compulsive disorder, but they may have obsessive compulsive tendencies or not even obsessions. They don't have obsessive thoughts, but they have a compulsion to do something. So it's not really the same thing. They have just the tendencies to need to do something. Same thing with with these kinds of personality disorders. You can have tendencies towards some of these behavior patterns, but if you don't meet the criteria of however many you're supposed to within that list, you can't formally be diagnosed with that personality disorder. Right. And for the most part, in order to make a clinical diagnosis, the person has to be, and this is for the most part, not in every case, the person has to be unaware that they're behaving aberrantly. So, you know, if, if there are a lot of people who, like you mentioned with obsessive compulsive disorder, will just show compulsive tendencies, but there are people who do that on purpose. Oh, yes. They, like, they know that they don't have to do these things, but they're consciously choosing to push so hard into an issue yeah like you know you're not obsessed with looks if you spend a lot of time getting ready before you go out Mm -hmm. you're choosing to spend all that time knowing that you don't really have to Mm -hmm. you're choosing to do that you don't have a disorder right a disorder is if the person absolutely cannot and in many cases doesn't realize that they're doing something they don't necessarily need to be doing or shouldn't be doing. Right. And it generally has to be something that's kind of like taking over their life right. where they they can't function in normal life because they have whatever this disorder is. We will get into obsessive compulsive disorder. That is going to be one that we're going to discuss um, because I'm actually very curious to know what the correlation is between OCD and crime. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping our listeners are also going to be interested in, in that correlation as well. But for the most part, to actually be diagnosed with one of these, whether it be a personality disorder or something else that's in the DSM, it has to be something that's really impairing your functionality in, in life. So, you know, it kind of like alcoholism. Like, there can be functioning alcoholics, but you're still an alcoholic because you can't not have that drink. You can't go out into the world without having that drink. So that's what the impairment is. You you can't function without having that part of it. Um, so in this instance, it's, you you can't, form proper relationships because you have this this skewed view that the relationships that you do have are are more than what they actually are or um you know you have 
almost these like manic tendencies where you over dramatize things and you make you blow things out of proportion and a lot of it is going to impair your ability to have real relationships so again it has to be something that's really a detriment to your your life right often known as the life of the party those who have HPD feel uncomfortable in situations where they are not the center of attention. They often charm their way into new relationships with acquaintances just to feel that attention. However, it wears thin on many people. And when this happens, those with HPD will create dramatics to draw focus back on themselves. Their speech style is very much about the drama and flair, but when dissected, their reasons lack detail and are usually vague. This I thought was so interesting. So it basically means that if you ask somebody who has HPD, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that song? And they come up with all of these adjectives that are not in everyday vocabulary. And they are just praising this music and, and you know, using all of these, these big words. And then you say to them, well, why do you think that? They can't give you an answer of why. Right. They use that dramatic flair to make you think that they're more grandiose so than they are. They exactly. They have such an important understanding of this thing. Exactly. And, and it allows them to take a little bit of ownership of this thing, too. Yeah. You know, like if like if somebody has a car that they recently got and they just think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but it's a fairly average car, they'll just tell you it's the greatest freaking car in the world because they made the decision to spend their money on it and they don't want to accept that it has any flaws at all. Right. So they take a little bit of ownership of it. Like, oh, this car is great and you should thank me for that. Even though they obviously, in this hypothetical scenario, do not have anything to do with the design or building of the vehicle. Right. But people will take ownership of it. Like you said, if somebody's describing uh, a painting and they're using all these adjectives, like they didn't paint this. Right. Again, hypothetical scenario. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you this person didn't paint it. But they'll take ownership of it because they brought the idea to you. Right. You know, it, people do this with, like, TV shows and movies all the time. Like, oh, I saw this TV show and it's so great. And they'll get offended if you don't like it right. on some legitimate basis. Yes. Because they've taken a little bit of ownership of this so that they can feel better as if this is their accomplishment, right. which it's not. It pulls that attention on them. Right. And that's exactly, that's the point of the, the people who are diagnosed with HPD. It's it's all about attention. It's all about them. Everything that they do and say and and create is for their benefit, is to make them look better and to make you want to be close to them. Right. And it it gets tiring for the people who are around that person. Oh yeah, I don't I don't have those friends anymore. I've had yeah. those friends, and I don't have those friends anymore. Yeah, <sighs> it, it's it's exhausting to be around a person who who has this kind of personality disorder. Really, anyone who's in the cluster B family, it's it's difficult to be around that person. So the antisocial. 
um, narcissistic, borderline, and histrionic. Those are in the cluster B group. Um, and those are the erratic behaviors. And remember, we, you know, we, we pointed out that the DSM requires you to meet five of those criteria because there are people who just exhibit a couple of these behaviors to an extreme extent, but don't necessarily have a, are not necessarily clinically diagnosable. Correct. So when I say I don't have those friends anymore, I don't mean that I'm just abandoning people who need help psychologically. <laughs> I mean, I've just had friends who were jerks. Right. Who if were... you legitimately think that someone needs help, you should probably he... offer that help or at least suggest that they get help from some kind of professional source. Absolutely. <laughs> the thing, though, also, especially with the Cluster B, is that it's very difficult for them to realize that they have right. anything wrong and that they should seek treatment. And generally, treatments don't work well with them. Um, it, it's it's difficult with the Cluster B personality disorders. So even if you think that they need help and you try to explain to them that they might need help, they're probably going to look at you like you have seven heads. And and in this case, they'll probably become over dramatic again. Right. <laughs> right. Because you've just given them exactly what they want, yep. which is a reason to be dramatic. Yep. These are people who will find drama in anything where they're where drama does not lie so if you give them a reason to they're just going to make it more so exactly we can say that many who go into the world of the arts may suffer from hpd as they have a love for the dramatics in fact some actors have been said to possibly suffer from hpd including megan fox miley cyrus and Marilyn Monroe. Though none of these are substantiated and are just conjecture. Are there any other actors or or singers or any, you know, musicians that you can think of that you would possibly say have histrionic personality disorder? All the good ones. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny. I you know, I, I joke a little bit, but in truth um, the, you know, the, the saying goes that genius and insanity are but a feather fall apart. And it's true, um, especially when it comes to artistic endeavors. Uh, you know, I I'm not a trained psychologist, but I'm an observer of human behavior. And I think it's pretty obvious if you're paying attention that the really great artists in this world are a little off yep. and that's why they're capably capable of being so great and it's not just artists i mean look at elon musk exactly he's an absolute stone cold genius yes and he is definitely a whack job yeah in in the most wonderful way R exactly I would love to just sit down and and bs with him about non-technical things and then about technical things there you, you have to be a little different to be special, by definition. <laughs> Going back to the the creatives when it comes to art versus science, uh, one person that I will always say that I want to get into the mind of is Tim Burton. Yeah. I feel like he's another one that... I'm not saying he has a personality disorder right? or like a clinical diagnosis or anything. I'm just saying what, you know, bouncing off of what you're saying that man's mind 
must be, first of all, going a mile a minute constantly. Like, I don't think he or Elon Musk or or someone like that turns off their brain. I don't think they, like, have that capability. I also feel like those types of people are on such a different plane than the rest of us, where they can think so almost like extraterrestrially than than we can. Like they're they're in their own universe. Well, they they are. So anyone with any kind of disorder, even if it's not necessarily a perceptive disorder in the sense of schizophrenia or something like that, anyone who has a perceptive disorder in the sense that they see the world differently. Well, there it is. Sees the world differently. Um, and so we talked about this. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Uh, but how when you've got a comfortable, normal life, that can get boring. Human beings love shinies. We, th- we just love shinies. Um, and if you're in a sea of shinies, they're not shiny. Right. The unshiny thing on the other side of the plane, well, that's shiny. Human beings have been driven throughout our entire evolution to go to, to pick up other things, whatever it is. You know, monkeys just started eating random fruits and some of them got sick and some of them probably got really sick, but some of them didn't. Um, and that's how they discovered that they could eat that fruit. And that's how we discovered ethanol by monkeys eating rotten fruits. And then they're like, hey, this feels kind of good. Um and that is a legacy that has survived for hundreds of thousands of years to this day. But humans love shinies. And so we get very bored when things are normal, even if it's a good normal, even mm-hmm. if it's positive normal. You know, I go to work every day. I have my job. I get paid. I come home to a comfortable home with a, a loving family. Um, but there's always going to be part of my brain that's going to see a shiny, whatever that shiny is, whether it's a good or a bad thing. You know, we I, I've talked before about how everyone looks at a car accident. Mm-hmm. You know it's a bad thing. You know it's a bad thing, but you have to look. Even if you know it's a bad thing and you can actually consciously kind of override it and say, oh, yeah, I hate how everybody rubbernecks. I'm not going to be one of those jerks. Your brain is pulling you to look at that because it's a shiny. So for people who perceive the world differently, like we're talking about, like Tim Burton, like Elon Musk, whoever it may be, for people who see the world differently, um, we don't even know what what is shiny to them. So these are people who it becomes difficult to even even hypothesize about what their brain looks like, because the truth is we don't even know what the road looks like to them. We don't even know what the walls look like to them. Mm-hmm. Even though we know... Because, again, assuming they don't have an actual perceptive disorder like schizophrenia or colorblindness or something like that, we know that the road looks exactly the same way and the walls look exactly the same way. But there's that perception, that unconscious part that we still don't understand about how humans perceive the universe around them uh, that is going to be different for those people. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that we are going to probably talk about both Tim Burton and Elon Musk in other episodes as well when we get into other types of uh, disorders. And again, we're not saying that they suffer from anything. I wouldn't even equate them to having any sort of histrionic personality disorder traits. We're just saying that when it comes to being a creative, sometimes having something slightly off is the beauty of it generates a positive effect yeah yeah um 
Yeah, I mean, 10,000 years ago, somebody like Elon Musk wouldn't have survived because right. he would have been sitting in the cave so busy thinking about why that rock is green and that rock isn't that somebody would just come along and spear him. Right. Or a saber-toothed tiger would just come along and bite him. Uh, so for the vast majority of human history, that kind of disorder would have been a negative. But today we live in a society where, you know, and money helps, of course, <laughs> where these kinds of disorders can be a boon. You know, we have art, we have science now. So people who are different than the rest of us can really, they can have these disorders in a very positive way. So what is the prevalence of this personality disorder and how does it correlate to violent crime? A 2001-2002 National Epidemiologic Survey suggested that the prevalence of HPD in general population was, what do you think? In general population. Every okay. man, woman, a child walking the street, going to work every day. Normal yeah. People, not, not clinically diagnosable people, per se. Not people who have demonstrated a need to be diagnosed. Right. So, and this is people that you could say have HPD so they meet the five they meet at least five criteria. Yeah. 2.25%. You are very close. 1.84%. All right, I was going to say two. Yep. I bumped it up by a quarter of a percent. Yeah, that's fine. So yeah, about 1.84%. This was um 2001-2002. I don't know if the numbers have changed since then cuz this is what the current edition of the DSM is still using as their uh, prevalence rate. Oh, I would say there are way more people today than 19 years ago who right. demonstrate, who demonstrate HPD. So it's, I, it's probably 2.25%. It might be. <laughs> it might be now. That accounts for that extra 0.4%. Yes. Um, so again, this is this is what the DSM is u currently still using as their um, research for prevalence of HPD. So yeah, 1.84%. So it's actually higher than antisocial personality disorder. Yeah, absolutely. Because antisocial personality disorder principally has a negative effect on your ability to function as a human being. Whereas HPD, like I said, can have a positive effect yep. on your life. Because yes, some people may think like, oh, you're a whack job. But again, humans love shinies. Mm -hmm. And so if most of your friends are normal people and there's this one weirdo, you're going to gravitate towards that weirdo. I know. I fell into the weirdo trap with relationships almost exclusively for a long time. <laughs> Especially when they consider these kinds of people the life of the party. Everybody wants 100%. to be friends with the life of the party. Everyone exactly. wants that exactly. friend. So yeah, these people um, will have... A positive effect on life. And yes, they're, they're probably going to have negative effects in the long term. These people are going to unfortunately be less likely to keep a stable relationship long term, but they're more likely to form new relationships because like you said, they're the life of the party. So along with the 1.84% in the general population, it is also found that HPD is diagnosed more frequently in females than in males. However, it must be mentioned that the ratio of females to males receiving diagnoses and treatment may have something to do with this ratio. Generally, we see more females seeking treatment, receiving treatment than we do males. So that could have some bearing on why the ratio is showing that there are 
more females who are diagnosed than males. Right. And yeah, that could be, but I would tend to think again, hashtag not a professional, uh, that even if the reporting were equal, you would see an increased incidence among females just because females tend to be more artistic, more creative. Speaking as a man, we tend to be more blunt. We tend to be more immediate. And according to a 2010 study by Bakkevig, of course, <laughs> these are How's it spelled? psychologists, and I can't, I can't pronounce most of their names. B-A-K-K-E-V-I-G. Yeah, that's probably ba- about Bakkevig, right. Bakkevig. Uh, by Bakkevig and Carterud. When examining patients attending a psychiatric day hospital, they found that only about 0.4% had HPD. So general population, 1.84. And then they found in this other study, those that were actually in a facility, it was much less. Right. And I would, again, hashtag not a professional, I would tend to think that the prevalence is higher in the general populace because it doesn't cause someone to need to be institutionalized the vast majority of the time. Right. Most of these people, I'm going to assume, had some sort of secondary diagnosis or primary diagnosis, I should say, that led them to get psychiatric treatment. And then the HPD was kind of like on top of that. Um, A lot of times, too, HPD, you'll find, um, coincides with other personality disorders like like antisocial or narcissistic. Uh, So they may be being treated for something else. And then it was also diagnosed that they had HPD after the fact. So it might not even be something that's noticeable right off the bat or diagnosable right off the bat, I should say. If only 1.84% of the general population potentially could be diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder, How then does it correlate to violent crime? According to studies by both Malloy and Mullen et al., between 30 and 50% of clinical samples of stalkers were given a primary diagnosis of personality disorders, most of which were part of cluster B, where HPD resides. However, when evaluating further, HPD was on the low end of the spectrum, and those stalkers diagnosed with a personality disorder were found to primarily have paranoid, dependent, narcissistic, and antisocial type disorders. As those with HPD often think their relationships are closer than they truly are, it is interesting to see that not many of them were found in these studies. Stalkers, a lot of the time, have delusions that they have close relationships with those they stalk, which are not based in reality. When we look further into stalkers and other disorders, I think we will see where that delusion comes from. But I do find it to be very interesting that a personality disorder that like primarily focuses on someone who believes their relationships are more than they are 
are not considered in these studies as primary examples. So I just found that to be very interesting. And these are multiple studies. This isn't just one study. These are multiple studies about stalkers right. with personality disorders, and they weren't finding many that had histrionic at all. Right. And it, I mean, yeah, again, not sound like a broken record, hashtag not a professional. I would tend to think that that's kind of an oversight. And it may be because HPD is not a not a sexy diagnosis. You know, you want to have the case of the antisocial personality disorder individual rather than just the histrionic personality disorder. Like, oh, it's boring, you know. You're just kind of a, you know. I, think, I don't know. I think because HPD is just so, it's still so misunderstood. And I think that a lot of the um, criteria overlap with other personality disorders like a lot of these you'll see we'll, we'll talk about it but a lot of these you'll see in borderline personality disorder or you'll see a narcissistic personality disorder and those two are much easier to diagnose but there are some people that i would possibly disagree with having one versus the other or might have more than one personality disorder so I had mentioned Marilyn Monroe in the beginning. She she ha she is said to have suffered from possibly histrionic personality disorder or possibly borderline personality disorder. And again, it's because they kind of overlap in their criteria and in in what people see from a person who's suffering from these personality disorders. Um she was not diagnosed at the time, so this is all speculation, but it's there's a possibility that maybe she had both and they were just kind of playing into one another or making the other part of it seem worse because they have so many overlaps, you know? Yeah. While there is not much literature regarding histrionic personality disorder in violent criminal behavior, a 2018 study by Young, Haybarth, Bonger, and Pacman sought to find which cluster B personality disorders drove criminal law the most. They found that out of the 171 cases in their sample, only 52 were HPD cases. And of those 52, 90.4% were actually classified under civil law, as opposed to the approximately 10% that were found in criminal law cases. And can you guess of these civil cases what side the diagnosed histrionic personality was on? So this is in the civil suits? Yeah. I'm guessing it's the plaintiff. You are correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if these were criminal, I would say it's the defendant. Right. In the case of civil suits, I'm guessing it's the plaintiff. Yes. Because these are people who are just going to go out and sue everybody because they got a free eyebrow procedure they didn't like. Correct. In 65.4% of these civil cases, the HPD litigants were plaintiffs. Exactly. They seek that attention. They seek that drama. So they are all about that theatrical presence. Right. So they're going to create drama even when there is nothing to to be seen as real drama. They just, they, they thrive on that. Right. So they're, they're going to create something that isn't really there, just so they can live. Yeah. 
While we still do not have enough research to make a distinctive conclusion regarding HPD and criminal activity, I think for now it is safe to say that most criminals do not suffer from HPD, and most people who suffer from HPD alone will not necessarily become violent criminals. Though this wouldn't be a proper Psyche Saturday without us discussing some real-life violent criminals who fit the bill of possibly having histrionic personality disorder. First, we have Luca Magnata. Do you know that name? No, but I'm pretty sure he was a hitman for the mob. No. No? (laughs) He was a waste disposal technician. No. Magnata is a convicted Canadian murderer who was the subject of the Netflix documentary series Don't Fuck With Cats. Uh... He would create videos torturing and killing kittens and ultimately created one where he murdered a human being. He is thought to possibly have histrionic personality disorder, though he was not specifically diagnosed. Personally, though, I'm not sure if I would consider him to have HPD. I would maybe consider him to have more antisocial personality traits than anything with histrionic, especially because in his videos, he did not show himself. He never showed himself into the videos, but when you saw him as himself, he was, he, so he was a model and I put that in quotes. Um, he had, you know, like demo reels and stuff like that. And, uh, he would audition for, I think there was like a model search show, like kind of like an America's Next Top Model for Men kind of thing. Um, oh, I think it was called Cover Guy, something like that, (laughs) where he auditioned for it. Um, and, he actually made up a rumor that he was linked to Carla Homolka, who is Canada's most hated woman. Uh, She is a formerly convicted serial killer who actually is now out she lives under a different name and Canada literally despises the woman. Like the entire country hates her and thinks that it's appalling that she's actually out. So being Canadian, he knew that he made up this rumor that they were together only to say, I don't know who made up that rumor. That's disgusting. I would never be with her. And here's where the HPD comes in. This is exactly. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. 100%. So he definitely has tendencies, but I don't know if I would consider it full-blown HPD. But yeah, he definitely has some of those, uh, those criteria. Right. So next we move on to Diane Downs. I don't know if you'll know who she is. You know... That sounds like a pretty common name, but I feel like I know that name. You but it may just be because Downs is a pretty common name. You might know. I mean, I've watched a ton of documentaries about her. So <laughs> Downs was convicted of murdering her daughter and attempted murder of her other two children. Uh, and this was in the mid 80s. 
According to Downs, she and her children were on a drive where they encountered an attempted carjacking. Downs says the perpetrator shot her children, but she was left unharmed. After the incident, Downs went on many television news programs to talk about her ordeal, but always had to be fully camera ready and talked about what a struggle it was for her to go through this and rarely talked about how devastating it was for her children, who were the true victims in this crime. Literally, one of her children was murdered. And she said something to the effect of, like, she's so lucky that she doesn't have to live with what happened kind of thing about her child who was just killed. But she does have to live with it. She's living with it right now. No, 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 no. No, she was saying that the daughter didn't have to live with... The one who is deceased. Correct. Because she's, do- she's dead. She doesn't have to right. live with the... Oh, so she's lucky yeah. that she's dead. Wow, that's a... Yeah. Something's yeah. wrong with a person who can say that. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, Downs was found to have made up the entire incident. And that she was the one who perpetrated the assault and murder against her children... All because she wanted to be with a man who did not want children. Again, just like Magnata, it is speculated that Downs has HPD, but I would definitely consider it as a probably accurate diagnosis for her. The fact that she created this entire story around this and then would go on news programs just to, like, promote herself to quote talk about the incident but it was really to put herself out there and be the center of attention yeah it certainly sounds like she's uh, a textbook case yeah and finally we have jerry sandusky Sandusky is the former Penn State assistant football coach who was convicted of rape and child sexual abuse. At trial, the psychiatrist ordered by the defense team diagnosed Sandusky with histrionic personality disorder. Though, take that with a grain of salt because I could not find any testimony as to what this psychiatrist used as the diagnostic criteria for Sandusky. It could have just been a ploy to try to win over the jury. Either way, it did not work. And this violent criminal is serving 30 to 60 years in prison. Well, that's good. Yes. He would write sexually provocative letters to the boys that he sexually abused. Somebody said, you know, while that is one of the criteria, that's it doesn't you have to meet five So to say that possibly that's the only reason he was diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder is um, not ethical. Because again, it may have just been that they were trying to show the jury that maybe he, he didn't mean to do what he did because he was suffering from a personality disorder. But even when you're suffering from a personality disorder, you're, you're not psychotic. You didn't have a, a break from reality. Right. So it's still 
clearly didn't work. The jury was like, no, he's being convicted. And so he was. He's the only one that I could find that legitimately had a diagnosis of HPD and was a violent criminal. Right. So, again, there's not a lot of research on it, but from the research that there is, it shows very little correlation between HPD and violent criminality. Right. And in his case, I would say it's 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 a sketchy at best diagnosis. Right. Exactly. At best. Yeah. I mean, I think that just wraps back around to where we were saying that HPD tends in a modern society to be the kind of disorder that's going to positively impact your life. More so than negatively. I yeah. mean, if you have a disorder which is driving you to do violence to people, that sucks. Right. That's going to hurt you. Fact. But if you just have a disorder which is driving you to make crazy music and paint crazy paintings, that right. may not necessarily be such a bad thing. Right. It might or it might not. But, you know, if you've got a voice inside you that you're constantly battling with that's telling you to hurt people... That sucks. That's going to have a negative impact on 100% of lives. Correct. So one last point I want to discuss before we end today's episode is that of the neuroscience behind histrionic personality disorder. For many researchers, it is concluded that HPD stems from possibly not receiving enough attention as a child. And I wrote in my notes, oh, Freud. Yeah. But is there a possible neurological link as well? A 2020 study of inhibitory brainstem reflexes in those with histrionic personality disorder showed very unsurprising results. This study had 17 participants who had been diagnosed with HPD, as well as 18 patients with schizoid personality disorder and 37, quote, healthy participants. The study had each participant complete a mood disorder questionnaire as the first stage of the study. And as we would imagine, those with HPD scored highly on the scale of mania. Hmm. The next stage was for the participants to be exposed to external emotional stimuli. Each participant was shown pictures and provided with sounds of disgust erotica, fear, happiness, and sadness. There were also two blanks with no pictures or sound given at the beginning and at the end. During this phase of the study, the participants were also part of a neurophysiologic assessment. They had electrodes connected to the left temporalis muscle to measure exteroceptive suppressions of temporalis muscle activity, which is a brainstem reflex. What they found was that the ES2 durations for the histrionic group under the erotica stimuli, stimuli was significantly prolonged as opposed to that of the control group. Do you find these results surprising? No. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> exactly. So I wouldn't necessarily say that they're, you know, born with a neurological condition, but it definitely... But they are. Well, they might be. Or it could be that their environment is kind of shaping their brain into 
right into and that like we like we talked about last week with antisocial as well yeah and and you and i always have this discussion about nature versus nurture right. where you tend to be a little more on the nurture and i tend to be a little more on the nature correct i tend to follow the scientific rigor more closely where there's something structurally different about a brain right which resides inside of the skull of a person who does abnormal who carries out abnormal behaviors uh, can that structural defect be induced maybe the problem is as i always say we just don't know as much about the brain as we really ought to we know a lot about it it's crazy the leaps and bounds that we've made in the last 50 years but still we're literally just scratching the surface yes so yeah um i you know i would tend to say that I don't know. I don't know what I would tend to say. <laughs> I know what I would tend to say, but I don't know how confident I am in what I tend to say, which is that you, I don't want to say have to, but you're far more likely to develop um, deviant behaviors later in life if you're born with a deviant structural component, whether it's physical or it's electrical or it's chemical or it's however the heck the brain works again we still honestly don't fully understand um there's something happening inside your brain when you're born that's different and i would tend again to say that that is going to result in a significantly increased likelihood of deviant behavior later in life whereas with someone who is born with a and i'll put huge air quotes around this word normal brain in all of those senses is going to be far less likely to develop deviant behavior later in life um but again i certainly don't know hashtag not a professional and even the professionals really don't know yet right so that's our close of psyche saturday about histrionic personality disorder what do you think of this one this is a good one um because i think that this and this might sound negative, uh, but this one kind of hits close to home for a lot of people. I think a lot of yeah. people can identify with this one, not so much for themselves, but for the people around them. Um, and I'm just going to emphasize again that if you have, if you know someone who is just a wacky person and out there, don't point your finger at them and say you have HPD because Sarah and Dan said so. No. <laughs> um, some people are just out. Some people are just Sagittarius's. <laughs> you I'm know, rolling my eyes so hard at him right now. But that doesn't mean that they have HPD. <laughs> you know, and some people are just Aquarius's, and that doesn't mean that they don't. Correct. They may just be very good at suppressing it. That's... They may be bottling it all up, and those are the people that you actually do need to be the most concerned with. <laughs> it's true. So just look around you. And, and just not today, not tomorrow, but for the next five weeks, next five months, the next five years, and look at the greatest number of people that you can, that you can say with confidence that you know fairly well, and just, just, just analyze the behavior of these people and think of these criteria. You can look them up and think how many of these people are just, um, Sagittarius's, <laughs> Uh, how many of these people are just uh, drama outgoing queens. people? <laughs> right. How many of these people are just just plain drama queens? Mm -hmm. 
versus how many you think may actually have an issue. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. It's not identifying disorders, identifying psychiatric and psychological disorders in people is not about saying, ah, this person's crazy. I'm going to avoid them. Mm -hmm. It's about saying, hey, here's a person that can be helped. Yep. Whereas if someone's just a dick, they're just a dick. Yeah. There's pretty much nothing you can do. It's true. You can try to talk to them, but they're probably not going to change. That's true. But when you can identify the people who maybe really genuinely have something wrong, maybe we can fix that. Yeah. And more importantly, and I know I sound like a broken record. We talk about this. I talk about this at the close of every Psyche Saturday and every and every Blackbird episode. Um, even just having that conversation is going to drive us forward in in our ability to deal with mental health yes. in the U.S. Absolutely. Uh, and abroad. You know, if, if you know that there's somebody that may have an issue, again, they're not just an a-hole, but they may have a legitimate issue. Just talk about it, not just for that person's sake, but for the fact that for your sake, for their sake, for their loved one's sake, this stuff has to be talked about. We have to acknowledge that these things are real so we can move forward. You know, if you've got a business that's failing because you've got a jackass employee who's flushing, uh, flushing profits down the drain, you can ignore that or you can fix the problem. And if we've got a, a population which is suffering from mental illness, we can ignore that like we've done for the last 10,000 years or we can acknowledge that it's a problem and try to solve it. Absolutely. I also hope that there will be more research done on this personality disorder, especially in the near future, because we do need to understand this much more. And we do need to see if there is a true differentiation between this and other personality disorders, because there are some researchers that have said that maybe this should be taken out of the DSM because it overlaps too much with others and that it could be not necessarily be a personality disorder or defect and just be a product of how somebody was was raised. So I, I think that more research needs to be done and more discussions, like Dan said, need to be had. And I just want to make one more closing point because you pointed out how uh, a lot of professionals are talking about maybe taking a taking HPD out. Um, I would think again as hashtag not a professional, totally just random guy's opinion. If you didn't know, Dan is not a professional. <laughs> um, um, I would tend to think that if anything, personality disorder needs to be treated as a spectrum of disorders, and. You know, there's there's HPD over here, and maybe there is uh, ASPD somewhere in the middle, and there's borderline somewhere else in there. Let's not say, okay, well, this is a distinct disorder, and this is another disorder, and we're going to put them in two different boxes. Right. I would say they're on the same shelf. And, you know, saying that HPD needs to come out of the DSM, I think that that's a real bad idea. Um, and I think that you need to acknowledge that it's, it's on a spectrum of personality disorders. It's definitely there. Right. And that's why they have them clustered the way that they do. Right. Because like you're saying, even though they don't consider them, a, consider it a spectrum, they are clustered to be right. relevant to each other. And you know what? 
I'm glad they use the word cluster because a spectrum implies that there's a linear relationship right. which deviates in variables. So the one on the left end of the spectrum is a zero for some value, whereas the one on the right end of the spectrum is a 10 for some value. But that's not really the way that personality disorder no. works. So I think you're right. I think I think cluster is a good way to look at it. Yeah. But let's not get rid of it as a diagnosis because it it can cause... Even though today it tends to cause positive effects in someone's life, it can cause negative effects. It, it will impact these people's ability to form and maintain long-term relationships. It can affect their ability to uh, hold jobs. Right. So, yeah, let's not pretend like it's no big deal. <laughs> and I also don't think that it should be taken out because, again, we don't have enough research on it to say distinctively yes or no that it is or is not a personality disorder. Like, so homosexuality used to be in the DSM and there was enough research done that, that they found that is not a mental disorder. It is something that you are born with that is just a part of you that doesn't mean that you have something unhealthy in your brain. So they ended up taking homosexuality, homosexuality out of the DSM. And again, it was because they did enough research to understand the science behind how all of the the sexual preferences work. And obviously now we're even going further and we're finding that there are so many sexual fluid, uh, gender fluid people, you know, there's so many other things on in that category that um, research is advancing so much. So again, I think that it needs to at least stay in until they find a distinct reason from science, from from true scientific research to say, no, this should come out. Until right. then, it, I don't believe that it should. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. That was a long closing point. but Th That was a long closing point. <laughs> but you know what? It's important. And, yeah. and I hope that a lot of our listeners either ag agree with what we're saying or if they disagree with what we're saying, at least understand our points because, you know, that's that's the point of these things. And I make sure to do my research when we when we cover these so that I don't have to, you know, tie up any loose ends. Like I get, you know, I give you the references and I make sure that I, I provide you with enough information for you to be able to go look up the studies yourselves and see that there was true um, research behind it. So... With that, um, I just want to, of course, let you guys know that you can find us on all of the uh, podcast platforms, including now Amazon Music, which is awesome. We're still waiting for Audible, but we're on Amazon Music, so I hope that you will listen to us there. Um, you can find all of the platforms and all of our social media on our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. And I want to make a special announcement um, that our new PodVCon, the holiday one, is going to be held virtually again through our Facebook group the weekend of December 4th through December 6th. We have a packed show for everybody and we have some amazing podcasts that are a part of it. So we really, really hope that you guys tune into that. Dan and I will be doing a Blackbird episode Friday night. Um, we still have not decided what our story, what our case is going to be that we're going to cover, but we're going to try to make it 
you know, revolve around the holidays in some way if we if we can. So we really hope that you guys will tune in to that. And to find more, you can either go to, again, our link tree, because the link is in there, or you can find the Facebook group, which is podvcom, P-O-D-V-C-O-M-M. And that's it for Psyche Saturday.